Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Thank you for being here, Brendan, Mary, and Carly, and Roxanne, Petra. Thank you. Jerry, so good to see all of you, each of you. Can't believe it's already Friday. Wow. I know we're supposed to say, thank God it's Friday, but what that means is I'm not going to see you the next couple of days. So anyway, we're just going to have to make up for that lost time that's coming and just say, this is a day the Lord has made, and we're going to be rejoicing and be glad in this. So Friday, October the 16th, The month of October is slipping by. We welcome you here. You know the drill. Like the page, follow the page, share the page, and loop others into this this oasis, this time that we gather Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock Central, just to encourage one another and to, to let each other know we're still here. We're still here, and we care one about another. So Everett, Yolanda, Christy, Joy, thank you. Thank you for making this a part of your day each and every day. What a great week we've had devotion-wise. Today, I, I just think you're going to enjoy this. We live as prisoners of time and geography, locked into clock and, and place. Bankers are supposed to be at a bank during bankers' hours. Shop owners are supposed to be at their shops during business hours. Farmers are supposed to be at their farms from sunup to sundown. It's what we're accustomed to. It's our world. We are servants to time and space. But there's a moment when moments fade away and the clocks stand still. Time dissipates. Heaven invades the earth. And that's where I want to go today. Let's go there today. You may have been to Paris and Rome. You may have seen the Great Pyramids and the Sphinx. You may have traveled down under and even across the seven seas. But have you ever been there? That's my question today. And the subject of this devotion, have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that wondrous place? Oh, praise God. I want to talk to you about it today. One of those places that the ancient Celtics say was a thin place, a place where heaven drew near. I hope you, I hope you just sense the presence of the Lord when we gather here. I want to talk about Jacob, later renamed Israel in the Bible. It's probably one of the most difficult and colorful characters. You got to be intrigued by this man or mesmerized, and his life is sort of like a slow motion train wreck in a lot of ways, because at first glance, he appears so worldly, so shrewd, so unscrupulous, then at other times, he almost seems angelic at home in the heavenlies. You just find it hard to reconcile yourself with a person like Jacob, not a single dimension personality complex. And maybe that's the way it is with us, complex in certain ways. Jacob cheated his brother and said, hey, God, if you'll be with me, keep me, give me bread to eat, clothes put on, so I can come back here someday to come. You'll be my God. What a bargainer. What a bargainer. He tried to bargain with God. He was a mixture of earth and heaven. In one moment, he was 
exploiting, scheming, and achieving. Next time we see him, he's humbled in the presence of God. He's a contradiction like us, a mixture of earth and heaven, called forth from the dust of the earth only to have new life breathed into us. But daily, it's a struggle to let that heavenly nature outshine this earthly nature. Can I get a witness to that? Just as Jacob won the struggle to become Israel, I believe you and I can overcome and become chosen vessels fit for the master's use. Let me take you to that pivotal moment where it all happened, not at Bethel, but uh, Peniel. What's so special about that place? It's the place where Jacob met God. It's the place where Jacob stepped into his new identity, where the old met the new, and nothing would ever quite be the same. To put your finger on it in the Bible, it's Genesis chapter 32. And by the clock, it's 20 years since Jacob has last seen his brother Esau. And now Jacob, his family, and herds are moving into Canaan. And a sense of foreboding must have haunted Jacob, probably full of questions, You know, you've asked these questions. Am I doing the right thing? Should I have ever come back here? Why am I doing this? What's going to happen to me? How will Esau react to me? Uh, Will he kill me? How will he kill me? Will he kill me slow? Will he kill me fast? Yeah, that's a lot of things going through Jacob's mind right then. And Jacob had every right to be concerned because 20 years before he had swindled his elder brother, And he surely felt the chickens had come home to roost. And the closer he got to Canaan, the greater his apprehension. And the night before Peniel, angels would meet Jacob at a place called Mahanei, the encampment of angels. And they gave Jacob the assurance, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But then the sun comes up and Jacob gets word that Esau's coming. And Esau is bringing 400 men with him. And the Bible says, well, what an understatement. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. I would be too. Yeah. Talk about stress. His stress levels were through the roof. He divides his herd, asks God to protect him, sends gifts on ahead to Esau. And with the word that I'll be here soon, Esau, I'll see you soon. That evening, Jacob crosses a tributary of the Jordan River known as the Jabbok. And he has an encounter like no other with God. He wrestles all night with his heavenly being. His hip thrown, is thrown out of joint, but he wrestles until he gets a blessing. Now, that's what I call a prayer meeting, folks. You remember that old acronym, push, pray until something happens? What Jacob did, Jacob did all night long, and a heavenly being changed Jacob's name to that of Israel. And there appears a phrase, which we just often overlook. But the Bible says, he blessed him there. But have you ever been there? He, he blessed. Who is that he? It is God himself, the source of blessing. He, in this story, is a theophany, God in visible form, heaven come down to earth. That's the he. That's the source of the blessing. It was God 
who blessed Jacob. The one who said, uh, Jacob, have, have I loved Esau? Have I hated God, the source of all blessing, who permits good things to come to you and me. Every good and perfect thing comes down from above. Jesus said, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't have to beg him. He wants to give it to you. The one that robes the lilies of the field wants to bless you and me. The car you drive came from God. Your job didn't provide it. Jehovah Jireh did. Your health, it came from God. The one who promised none of these diseases shall come upon you. The food you eat, the air you breathe, the abundance of God. When you look outside into nature, you see that abundance. Horticulturalists say it takes 30 leaves on an apple tree to produce a Jonathan apple, 50 leaves on a tree for a red, delicious apple, about 30 leaves to produce a peach. But when God designs those fruit trees, he places over 100,000 leaves on the average trees, enough leaves to pull four gallons of water from the ground each and every hour. Why are you saying that? Because God says, I want to make sure it's more than enough. Look at nature, quail, pheasants, ducks, ground nesting birds lay more eggs than necessary to perpetuate their species. Because marauding crows, plundering skunks, and meeks are going to take their share. But God said, I'm going to make sure I bless you with more than enough. When God made the fish, he said that the waters bring forth abundantly. Do you know that a female brook trout will fight the raccoons, the bear, and even humanity survive? But she's going to lay about 5,000 eggs each year just to make sure there's more than enough. You hear me when I tell you there's a thief out there. He's bent on killing, stealing, and destroying. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it more exceeding, more abundantly, uh, more than you can even imagine beyond measure. I don't want you to get by. I don't want you to survive. I want you to flourish and I want you to thrive. We live in a God-blessed world. We are worshiping the great source of blessings, the one who abundantly gives. God is a source of blessings. So the Bible says he blessed him there. He is God and God blessed. God is willing to bless. God longs to bless. When you When you and I permit God to bless us, he will. How do we allow the blessings of God to enter into our lives? Well, Jesus gives a quick list in Matthew 5. We call them the Beatitudes or what our attitudes ought to be. When we rely on Jesus, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we should. When we desire God more than anything else, when we show compassion, when we seek inward purity, when we show others how to be at peace with God, when we're willing to suffer joyously for God's cause, all of these unlock the doors to the blessings of God. They are the pathways to get you there to the place of blessing. And the place is not just longitude and latitude. It's more of a spiritual posture. It's what the Bible calls the kingdom. It's kingdom mindedness, kingdom living, living now in this world, but for the world to come, breathing the rarefied atmosphere of another world. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things are going to be added to you and God's blessings aren't just going to come in the form of cars and houses and lands and cattle. 
Because the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. And how have we realized we've needed that during the age that we're living in right now? We need the peace that passes all understanding. Can I get a witness to that? Kirk and Amelia and Elaine and Patty. We need a peace. We need kingdom mindedness that the God of heaven, it says he blessed him there. God is the source of blessings. God is willing to bless us. And I love that those blessings have come to us with peace and come to us with relationships and come to us with nourishing things in our lives because it's relationships that matter more than anything else. What is more precious than knowing you've treated people right? Yeah, what's more precious? That's what Samuel said at the close of his life. That's what Paul said. We've wronged no man. That our lives are a blessing to others. Isn't that the way we're supposed to leave this earth? Well, Jacob, you've been a cheat, a scallywag, and a scoundrel to this point. There are, I mean, everybody you've met, you've cheated, Jacob. And now it's time to be like God. The one who wants to bless you, wants to make you blessable, wants to make you a blessing to others. You need to become like God. He blessed him, Jacob, Jacob. God blessed Jacob. God provides general blessings to everyone. The the Bible likens that to rain. He lets it rain on the just and the unjust. It's the general goodness of God. And God has been good to us all the time all the time. But the Bible says he blessed him. There are times when God blesses people individually, specifically. The book of Psalms opened with that, with that verse, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth in the way of sinners, nor seateth, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. God blessed Jacob before he became righteous. God gave it to him on faith. There are times God blesses each and every one of us and nobody around us is blessed. He chooses to bless as he sees fit. But here's where I want to go. Notice the place. He blessed him there. Have you ever been there? Something just leaps off at the page when I read that fourth word. He blessed him there. There. Where? Where is there? Where is the place that God chooses to bless us? Oh, my. If I could just find that place, Brother Gurley, where he would bless me. Well, first of all, let me tell you where it's not. It's not a physical locale. It's not Jerusalem, Rome, or Mecca, Himalayas, monastery, convents. No, no, no. And that should comfort us because as we've learned in this pandemic, It's not always in a church building or in an altar with hundreds of people where we can find a blessing. So where is there? He blessed him there. Where is there? You can waste a lot of time running from one place to another, hoping to hear a new word, hoping to find someone with a greater anointing, a greater gift, a prophetic prophet uh, utterance. And can I just say that The encounter you need with God there is the place where you get honest with God. And when you get honest with God, you found there. It's when you get honest with God and say, God, you made me a promise at Bethel. I've got to live up to that promise. Lord, I made a covenant with you in years gone by. I want to live up to that 
covenant. Jacob's story reveals where God blesses us. It's going to be after a night of struggle and holding on and wrestling with himself and God. Do you know that God permits those struggles and God permits the trials? Not because he doesn't love us, but because he does love us. And he wants us to become blessable. Jacob, all those gifts you value. Do you know everything you sent ahead to Esau is a gift? Doesn't matter the goats and the sheep and the silver and the cattle and the gold. You'll never be remembered for that, Jacob. Where are they today? Who knows or cares? But what you will be remembered for is the night that you determine, I can no longer be Jacob anymore. I've got to receive a change. And God chose to bless you there. Don't run. Can I just tell our morning devotion family right now? Don't run from struggle. Don't avoid difficult conversations or situations because in the struggle, there is the blessing. We're so much like that proverbial cow who sees the grass on the other side of the fence and somehow that grass looks greener. We're going to break down any fence we have to to get to it. But how many times have we allowed ourselves to grow miserable and uproot ourselves seeking that place of blessing elsewhere, elsewhere? But can I tell you, in the place of sweat and tears, in the place of hurt feelings and misunderstandings and problems and trials and stress, when you're wrestling as never before, that's where God will bless you. That's the there in your life. It's in the place of the empty meal barrel he shows up. It's in the drought that God sends the rain. It's in the days of wickedness that God's going to provide an ark. It's when you're down under and depressed under a juniper tree, God's going to send you hope. It's in the belly of a whale that God provides deliverance. It's in a den of lions that the lion's mouths are shut. It's in the fire that God manifests himself. It's facing a Goliath where God gives the victory. It's a looking at a red see that God's going to part the waters. It's in the prison that God's going to send the freedom. That's the place where God blesses you. But have you ever been there? Jacob was afraid. He wept, he prayed. And in the place of fears and tears, there God blesses. And the transformation comes. At Jabok, Jacob was blessed. At Jacob, Jabok, a place, a place called there, It was there that Jacob was crippled and limp from that day forward. But a transformation took place and Jacob became Israel and Jabok was renamed Peniel. It was in the place of struggle that Jacob found a new name, a new calling, a confirmation of God's love that God was going to be with him. God changed his name and so great was the change that Jacob changed the name of the place. He changed the name of there from Jacob, from Jabok to which means to make empty. That had been a place which had exhausted and sapped Jacob. But he went into that barren place of Jabok and said, I name you Peniel, which means the appearance and the dawning of God. Jabok becomes Peniel when we are empty and God appears. Yeah, there. God can change us. Do you know that for God to bless us, you got to come into this place called there with an empty hand. Jacob had tried it all, his gifts, his speeches, his messages. He'd exhausted his reservoir of cunning talent. But Esau still was approaching with 400 men. And in desperation with nothing else to draw on, Jacob was left alone, no family, no friends, no one else to help. 
He turned back on an experience with God from 20 years prior, and he wrestled until the blessing came. He walked with a limp from that day forward, but he walked with a limp into the rising sun and new confidence. When he saw Esau, he put his family behind him, stepped forward, confident that God was going before him. God allows struggles to disarm us, to empty us, to sap us, to drain us of all human ingenuity and strength. And there, God will bless us. I'm glad you went hiking in the Adirondacks this summer. I'm glad you've marched down Freedom Trail in Boston. So happy you've gone to the Blue Ridge Mountains through the Cumberland Gap and that you've even crossed the Continental Divide. But have you ever been there? Have you ever left the moment and entered into the momentous? Have you ever journeyed to the time and the place where you were spent and you needed the replenishing and the nourishing that can only come from the presence of God. And there you were transformed. And there your change caused you to change your circumstances and change the world. Can I ask you in this time of devotion, would you go there? Would you get there? Would you find that place? And if you will, you will never, ever be the same. But have you ever been there? Thank you for being a part of this today. Leave your prayer requests out to the side. I wish you well this weekend. Have a blessed weekend, a wonderful church service this Sunday. And may God go before you and may God help you resolve the difficult places in your life. And may he meet you at your extremity and provide the strength that you need. May he bless you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.